This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Let me get to some of these emails, and then we'll get to the season ticket stuff, because I know it does bother a lot of people. Uh, Number one, Emmanuel writes, Pete Alonzo, Pete Alonzo. (laughs) Okay, we'll talk a little bit more about Pete. So glad to hear Alonzo and the Mets might be close to a deal. I think Stearns might have something to do with it since he clearly likes him if Milwaukee wanted to trade for him at the deadline, right? Let's hope that's the case. No, because even though Stearns was an advisor for the Brewers, I doubt, since everybody knew he was going to join the Mets, that there was any involvement with the Brewers at the deadline. So I would not read into that. Emmanuel goes on to write, one thing that's been bothering me all year is how much I've been hearing Alonzo is having a down year. Yet his average is down, but his OPS is very similar. He's currently at 846, which is down a bit because he's had a bad week. But before that, his OPS was 862, which is pretty much identical to last year. Mind you, he's doing this with a bum wrist that who knows if he's ever even allowed it to properly heal. If you look at his numbers in the month of June, by far his worst month of the year, that's when he got hit. He hit 152 with a 584 OPS for June, which essentially made his numbers of the year look far worse than they would have been if he would have just taken the month off. So essentially, because he was selfless and wanted to get back out there ASAP for the team, he hurt himself numbers-wise, and everyone has been down on him for it. Whether coming back early was the right move or not, It shows fight, a willingness to play through injuries, which in my books is the type of player you want to pay, not even mentioning the fact that he's had Vogel back to be his main protection all year long, and he still produced 45-112 after that. I would say that this is a good year. So a couple things to respond to that. (laughs) Yeah, it's I like that he came back. I think it's funny how sometimes we react to players being playing injured and not performing well, like when Carlos Beltran does that. In his first year as a Met, we kill him. <laughs> you know, we, we, we kill him. We don't love that. Pete does it. We celebrate it. I think what's going to hurt him is that that month was the month. That was the month that sank the Mets. So whether it was because he came back early and it was the wrist issue, he was still a major part of that team crumbling. The other thing is, If you look at his numbers, while this has not been a bad year, I would never call 45-114 a bad year. His career average, which actually is only 253, but a lot of it was brought down by this season and even the 60 games he played in 2020, because last year he had 270. The year before that, he had 262. The rookie year he had, he had 260. So while his average in his career is 253, he's 
better than that, in my opinion, certainly over the full years. His strikeouts are up from last year. His doubles are down from last year. His overall hits are down from last year. But he has hit more home runs, which is great. It's it's just that I think anyone who watched them all year, and this is what's funny about it, because like you're not wrong with what his final numbers are going to look like, of course, depending on what number you want to look at. You want to look at OPS, look, he finishes strong. His OPS is going to be right there to last year. And to your point, it's going to be close to his career average, which is 876. He's sitting at about 850. I think if you watched him every day this season, it was not the best of Pete Alonso. And that's a compliment to him. Because for us to say that about a guy that's at 45-114 with an 850 OPS, that's pretty damn good. Nick Stasiak writes, Thursday's game. You may be listening to this podcast on Thursday. Tonight's game. Not sure if you've noticed this, but the Mets-Phillies game on Thursday is a Fox game. I did notice that. But with the Giants on Thursday night football... Locally, we get that game on Fox instead of having to watch it on Amazon. I checked my guide and it shows the Giants on Fox at 8. Are we not able to watch the Mets game? Wait a second. Now now, now you're scaring me a little bit. You're right that when a local football team like the Giants are playing the Thursday night game, or the Jets play the Thursday night game, they will always have it on a local channel. Now, I'm going to go to my guide right now. I have DirecTV Stream, and I'm going to take a look at the schedule tomorrow for Fox and see, is he, is he right? Are we getting the giant simulcast, and we may be stuck without the Mets, which would be so devastating. No Mets Phillies, and we're stuck with the Giants against the Niners? All right, according to my DirecTV Stream, holy crap, he's right. <laughs> holy crap. Yeah, (coughs) I see New York Giants at San Francisco 49ers. Hold on. Let's look at FS1. Maybe FS1 will have us that game if I take a look. The Carton Show, 7 a.m. What's that? No, we're not on FS1. Let me check FS2. Are we on FS2? No. All right, now you got me worried. We may not have a Met game on TV. (laughs) <laughs> will there be an outcry? Will, will we freak out? Is it going to be just me, Nick, and five other people saying, wait a second, where's the Met game? The Giants are bumping them off? That's a great point, Nick. I will look into this some more. And I will have an updated answer on the Thursday edition of Evan and Tiki. If you're listening to this too late, I apologize. I'm sure you already know the answer. Peter Lopez writes, the guys on Fox mentioned that Senga could get some Cy Young votes. Do you have any thoughts? We touched on this on the last Rico. He is, to me, finishing in third. So, yes, he will get Cy Young votes. Maybe not first place Cy Young votes, but he's in the top three, man. No question. Do want to correct something. Mike Berry was the one to bring it to my attention. The idea that Daniel Vogelback is gone at the end of the year. I suggested that on the last Rico. He's done. I am incorrect. He has one more year of arbitration. How about that? So thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. And I think uh, he was called a nerd on Evan and Tiki because he corrected me with this information. Mike said, please don't call me that. Either call me Mike from PA or Baseball Mike. 
<coughs> I didn't call you a nerd. That was probably Tiki. That son of a, you know what. Fred Solomon writes, is this version of Nimmo the new normal? He has no business leading off, especially in today's faster game. What about Mauricio getting some work as the leadoff hitter down the stretch? At the very least, he'll show run, something that Nimmo refuses to do, except for that game in Colorado. Put Nimmo in his power fifth or sixth and lengthen that lineup and get some speed at the top. Your thoughts? So it's really interesting, Fred. I have been, over the last decade, I guess now, a big proponent that the only thing that matters from a leadoff hitter is on-base percentage. For, for, for really, I think, fair reasons. I just want you to get on base. That's it. I want you to get on base. I got my RBIs com- guys coming up next. Your job is squarely to get on base. We don't live in the world of Ricky Henderson anymore where you're going to steal second and third. Well, guess what? We do live in that world. That world is back. In 2023, the stolen base came back. So we have to reevaluate that about Brandon Nimmo. Brandon Nimmo still had far and away, it's not even close, the highest on-base percentage on this team. As of this moment, uh, and this may be outdated by one day, the stats, but bear with me, one day. 357 OPS, the next highest is Mark Canna, he's gone. Next highest is Daniel Vogelback, ha. And the next highest is Jeff McNeil, which is about 25 points lower than Brandon Nimmo, and by the way, not exactly a big stolen base guy. Is it now important to put a stolen base guy in the leadoff spot? I would say it's added. Yeah. Like, you still need to get on base. So I'll give you an example. If you're going to have a 301 on base like Starling Marte had this year, that's not good enough, even if you go out and steal 25 bases. Starling Marte who, by the way, is about to be given a rehab assignment, which is hilarious. But, hey, I guess for him, he wants to prove he could come back and kind of build momentum going into the offseason. But Starling Marte stole 24 bases in 86 games. So he was on pace to have a 40-stolen base season. That's great. I'd love that for my leadoff hitter. But if you're only going to get on base 30% of the time, it ain't worth it. So I think the answer to your question, Fred, is if there's somebody that could at least come close to Nimmo's on base, and steal a bunch of bases, I'm game. But I don't think it's a good idea to force feed somebody that's not that. As far as Mauricio's concerned, especially in the finale of this series, one of the knocks on Ronnie Mauricio is that he doesn't... (coughs) Excuse me, I know, I'm still coughing, it's ridiculous. Um, That he doesn't draw a lot of walks. That he's not an on-base guy. And so far since being called up... He's only walked three times until the finale of the series where he walked two times. Is he going to turn into a guy that can get on base at a high enough level where you'd put him in the leadoff spot? I don't know, man. He's got to prove it. Like this season in the minor leagues in Syracuse, we'll use his numbers at Syracuse where he had a really good season. He got on base 35% of the time, 346 on base. I think I'd be good with that. I think if he goes 346 and is going to steal 25 bases, yes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And here's why. Even though Nimmo gets on base more, his singles are singles. Mauricio's singles, half the time, are going to be doubles. So, yeah. We'll talk a lot more about Nimmo during this offseason. Now, let's jump in to the spring uh, spring training, to the season ticket issue. And I'll start with Casey Manning, who wrote a very (coughs) angry email about his renewal. And then we'll get into some of the details. Casey writes, Evan, I realize you're a full season ticket holder, so this doesn't affect you, but this needs to be addressed for those of us that can't afford it. Keep in mind, this franchise just had the most embarrassing season in Major League history. Shit the bed, sold at the deadline, and told us we might not be going for it next year. They have the audacity to downgrade postseason access for each tier of season ticket holders with a barely noticeable update on their renewal site. As a 40-game holder, I've been guaranteed a full strip forever, Now it's down a half a strip, while a 20-game holder goes from half a strip down to a quarter strip. If I didn't ask about it and double-check with my rep, I would have had no idea. The team is officially on my last nerve. This is disgraceful, and they need to be called out for it. I guess my thousands of dollars spent on this shitty baseball team over the years is worth even less than I imagined. Maybe you can get an inside scoop being somewhat connected to the club. I'm debating or not whether even to do it now that the value has just plummeted and some of us are already stretching to make it work because we love this team, which is stupid for some reason. Thanks a lot, Casey. So, yeah, they did a lot of stuff that I think is ridiculous. I think off a year in which, to Casey's point, you shit the bed, you cannot raise ticket prices. You cannot cut down access to 40-game plan holders and 20-game plan holders. You can't. You can't do anything that's negative to the customer when you effed the customer by being crappy and selling guys off. We all know the selling guys off thing was good for the long term. I support it. Casey, I think, supports it. But here's what it did if you were a plan holder of any amount of games. It made your tickets in the final two months of the year worthless. That's what it did. Made it worthless. So if you sell some of your games, because you can't go to every single game, they were worthless. And coming off of that, you're telling your customer either you're going to pay more or we're going to give you less for what you're paying. Here are some details on what they're doing. One guy told me I got a half season in section 134. They raised the price from 2800 to 3200 Cutting down on the playoff strips on half season ticket holders, like Casey mentioned. I did hear from one guy, Jose, who wrote me, full season in promenade, same price, I'm good. I also heard that a 20-game plan went up 20%, and they took away the Yankees. I also heard a Saturday plan was increased by 15%. I also heard that somebody who sits in Promenade 409 got raised 20%. For me, I I know what my bill was. They raised me about 12%. I don't care if it's 2%. 5%, 9%, 15%. When you suck, 
I don't care how much you spend, and you're coming off a bad baseball season or a bad basketball season or a bad football season, it takes balls to raise the prices on your customers. I have said that about the Jets when they did it. I said it about the Yankees when they did it. I've said it about every franchise, so I'm going to say it about the Mets. You can't do that. Now, you can because there are some people, hi, I'm one of them, who are going to buy it anyway. I don't know if Casey's going to buy it. I don't know if a lot of the people listening are going to buy it. But some of us are so schmucky. I was going to, it's not even loyalty because you could be a loyal guy or gal. If they raise you enough and you don't have the money, you're not going to buy it. Like, I had to have a conversation with my wife. Conversation was pretty much, hey, baby, they're raising our prices. I'm going to renew. And she said, I understand. (laughs) Certain things are not negotiable. But when you do this off a bad year, it takes balls. And I don't think it should happen. Like, I think it's wrong. And I think it's especially wrong to take these plan holders and tell them your plan is worth less. And this, the, the playoff thing is probably the worst thing I've heard. That's the worst thing I've heard. Because why? Like, why would you take away access to playoff tickets? Why? That, to me, I think bothers me more than anything else I heard. A part of being a season ticket holder, whether it's 40 games, 80 games, 20 games, is access to the playoffs in this fantasy world that they're there. You can't take that away. And here's the other thing. I'm sure many Met fans feel this way, but the customer's going to feel this way even more. You better spend. And I'm not overly worried that they're not. I think there's a trust in Steve Cohen. But you raised our prices for 2024. That means 2024 better be a year in which you try to win. 2024 can't be a transition to 25 or 26. Not when you raise some people 20%. Not when you raise some people 10%. Not when you took valuable games away from people. You have to add. If they had done this last year, and I know for some that they have, I haven't had a raise in a decade. Like, I'll be the first to tell you. And I'm glad that they haven't done it. But if you're going to raise ticket prices, can you do it off of a 101-win season? Like, last year would have been the perfect year to do it. You spent a lot of money during the offseason. You set your payroll into record territory. And you won games. Like, of course people will always be annoyed when you raise their tickets. It doesn't matter. But it's easier to do. It's just a little bit easier to do when you've gone out and you've won 101 games. Here's the other thing that bothers me, and this is an optic issue. I don't need to hear that, well, there's going to be new additions to City Field, as if this is connected to raising our ticket prices. Well, don't worry, City Field's going to be nicer. Okay, what are you doing for us? There's a big screen TV now, super. What's next? I got to hear that the Clover Club is being tripled in size. We don't have access to the Clover Club. Most people do not have access to the Clover Club. If you sit in the promenade, you're not in the Clover Club. If you sit in my section, the Excelsior Club or the Piazza Club, you're not in the Clover Club. Nobody's in the Clover Club. If you buy really, really, really high-end tickets, which is cool, I bought one game this year, took my wife. It was great. Yeah, 
because they suck. So the prices got discounted so much on SeatGeek. It's cool to go once in a while, but you can't tell us. Hey, don't worry. You're raising your prices, but don't worry. On the back end, you're going to get a nicer Clover Club. What? That's like raising the taxes on the middle class and saying, don't worry, the Yacht Club's going to be nicer. Great. (laughs) What the hell does that do for us? I mean, it's nice that you're making the Clover Club bigger, but do you think that Casey Manning gives a rat's ass about it? Do you think that Jose in the promenade, that's a real person who uh, DM'd me, you think he gives a rat's ass about the Clover Club? Come on. Clover Club. I hope I'm not in the Clover Club this year. You know why? I'm in the Clover Club when the team sucks and the SeatGeek prices come down. <laughs> then I say, hey, hon, want to go to a game that only costs $125 a ticket instead of $900 a ticket? And she says, cool, let's go. Frustrating. Congratulations, by the way, to Jet Williams and Christian Scott, your minor league position player of the year, your minor league pitcher of the year. We'll talk a little bit about the Binghamton Mets Somerset Patriots series on the next Rico, as well as this four-game series against the Philadelphia Phillies. Appreciate the emails. You can email us anytime. B at gmail.com. B at gmail.com. Man, this season's almost over. We got a four-game series against the Phillies coming up in Philly. We got a three-game series at City against Miami. And then we wrap it up with three more against the Phillies to end the season. So Phillies, Marlins, Phillies, and then we mercifully end this season. Thank you very much for listening to another edition of Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 